You are listening to the Discovery City Church Sermon Podcast. To learn more about us, including our location and service times, please visit us at discoverycitychurch.com. We hope this sermon will encourage and build your faith as you pursue God, community, and influence within your world. Now, the message from our lead pastor, Caleb York. What's the deal with Bulgaria? What's the deal with it? Maybe if you're like me, you've always wondered, what does God have to say about it? A lot of us, we think we know what he says about it. We think we know what it's about. But today, we're going to find out together. What is it all about? What does God have to say about this? What's the truth behind Bulgaria? Last week, I mentioned a phrase, drinking the Kool-Aid. Drinking the Kool-Aid. That phrase right there was commonly made known by the cult leader, Jim Jones. If you're not familiar with him, he was a leader several decades ago. He had a huge following here in the States. And after a while, he was able to convince them to sell everything that they have and move to South America to a property that he had purchased and named in his own honor, Jonestown. And shortly after moving there, he convinced them all to drink a Kool-Aid that was laced with poison. And the sad result is all of them died. All of them died, and the world was devastated. And today, because of that situation, we have this phrase, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. That's where that situation, that's where that statement came from. That situation right there. And the reason why I mention this is because I believe that our culture is giving us some Kool-Aid today. They're giving us some Kool-Aid. When it comes to vulgarity, we have many in our generation and many in our world today that have a Kool-Aid mustache because they're guzzling what the world is feeding them. And it's laced with vulgarity. When it comes to the topic of vulgarity, we even have to go beyond that kind of mindset, beyond that. It's popular to be vulgar in our world today. It's hip, it's in. It really is. It's a big deal. We see that vulgarity is mixed in. It's, it's part of the mainstream of our conversations nowadays. It used to just be like an emotional outburst. Like you stub your toe and you say a dirty word just like that. But nowadays, it's part of the mainstream of our conversation. It's accepted. And it's even celebrated in music. We see it celebrated on television, movies, video games. Not leaving you gamers out. That's me too, all right. And even Facebook. It's celebrated in our world today. Vulgarity. Vulgarity is in style and it is all the rage. But have you ever stopped and asked yourself this? How is it that we know what is vulgar? How do we know what is vulgar? How do we know that? Do you want to know how? Because every single one of us was created in the image of God. We are custom made in the likeness of God and it is built into us to understand and know what is right and what is wrong. We're made in the likeness of him. When it comes to God and the conscience that he's built into us, scientists, they can't explain it. Psychologists, they can't explain it, but we all have a conscience. It's built into us. We know right from wrong because we're created in God's image. A question that many Christians are asked all the time is this, and I've been asked this a couple times myself. What's the difference between Christianity and all the other religions of the world? What's the difference between Christianity and all the other religions of the world? Have you ever heard that question before? Maybe you've heard this one before. All paths, they lead to heaven. 
They all go to the same place, so it's not a big deal. Believe whatever you want to believe. You're all going to wind up in the same place. And can I tell you this morning, that's simply not true. It's not. Did you know that most religions in our world today are performance-based? You have to do certain things or not do certain things, and then at the end of your life, you may get into the afterlife, or you may not. But Christianity is not based on performance. Christianity is based on a relationship. And it's based on the fact that we know that performance has completely disqualified us. Because every single one of us is a sinner. We're all sinners. The Bible said it this way, that there are none righteous, no, not one. And as much as I try... As much as I go and I serve the homeless, as much as I try to do good for, good for people, despite all of that, I'm disqualified from getting into heaven. We've got to understand that Christianity believes that it's not based on a performance. It's based on a relationship. And so when it comes to this topic of vulgarity, why is it that I try to speak in a pure way? Why is it that I try to stay true to my wife? Why is it that I want to do what is right? It's not a legalistic trip like some of you are probably thinking right now, like, here he goes, he's going legalistic on us. It's always about honor. It always comes back to honor. Let me put it this way. I love my wife. And if you're married here in the room or you are in a relationship, you love your spouse, right? And I would never trash the name of my wife. I would never do that. You would never do that, right? Your spouse, you wouldn't trash their name? Good, I'm seeing a lot of shaking hands. No, I'd never do that. You know what? You would never trash talk them to someone else. Now, if you've done that, if you're here this morning, you've done that before, I'm not talking about that. I'm not really diving into that this morning. But what I'm trying to say is you wouldn't do that. Why? Because you have a relationship with them. Because you love them. Because you want to honor them. And you would never let someone disrespect them. It's the same way when it comes to our relationship with God. We want to honor him. We want to love him because of the relationship that we have. For some of you, maybe I got another analogy if you didn't get that one. Imagine you're out in the ocean and you're on a boat. And somehow you fall off that boat right into the water. And your boat keeps going and it keeps traveling on without you. And before long, you can't even see your boat. It's gone. You're out in the middle of the ocean treading water for your life. You're all alone. Everywhere you look, all you see is water on the horizon. There's not a person. There's not a soul in sight. And then all of a sudden, you begin to see a little speck off in the distance begin to develop. It's another boat. And it's coming your way. And you start to think to yourself, man, are they going to see me that far away? How long can I tread water before my arms and my legs give out? And slowly that boat begins to get closer and it begins to get bigger. And about the moment that you start to go underwater for the very last time, someone reaches in, pulls you out of the water into the boat, they take you to the shore, and they let you off. With that story in mind right there, let me ask you a question. Would you trash the name of that person that did that for you? Would you? Would you trash their name? No, I would never do that. There's no chance I would do that. They saved my life. They, I had no hope, man. I was out there ready to die, and they saved me. You're going to honor that person. But yet some of us were here today in this room, and you believe there was a time in your life where you asked Jesus to save you. You asked him to save you of your sins. 
but you trample the name of God on a daily basis. The one who saved you, you trample his name. The one who paid for you, your sins, you trample his name and you dishonor it. And you thank and you drink the Kool-Aid that the world is feeding you. That it's not a big deal. Hey, it's fine. I'm just being real. I'm just being raw. I'm just being honest. By using words that trample and dishonor the name of God. And so today, that's what I want to talk about. What does the Bible have to say about this? What does God have to say about vulgarity? If we look at Matthew chapter 15 is where we're going to begin this morning. Matthew chapter 15, verse 18. Matthew chapter 15, verse 18 is where we're going to begin reading. If you don't have your Bible, we've got it up on the screen for you. It says this, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. When you hear someone speaking, when they're talking in a vulgar way, it's coming from the heart. And the words that comes out of someone's mouth is a great indicator of that person's heart. Our words set the course of our lives. And can I tell you this? I I like to go even beyond that. That you can predict by the negative and vulgar words that come out of someone's mouth, that comes through their talk, you'll be able to predict the future for that person. Some of you probably never thought about it that way. If we took the words that you've used in the last seven days and put them up here on this screen, I truly believe that we could look at those words and see where your life is heading, not only for the next year, but five to ten years because of the words that come out of your mouth. Our words have the ability to set the course for our lives. Just the words from the last seven days, we can see that. Because from your heart, your mouth speaks. Now, I want to give you a little disclaimer here this morning. It's good. I don't see any kids in the, in the, the group this morning, so that's, that's good. So I, I, don't, I don't have to cover that part. But this morning, I'm going to get a little raw in here, okay? It's going to get a little bit real. I'm going to say some words that might be considered very bad words, all right? So just be ready for it. I don't want you to be like, ah, I can't believe he said that. So I just want you to be prepared. That's, that's, that's your little disclaimer. So don't be shocked. Don't be upset when you hear it, all right? So first thing I want you to write down in your service guides. If you're new here with us this morning, on your inside flap of your service guide, we have our service notes. Follow along with us. We think God can really speak to you and move through a lot better if you write it down. And you're also going to remember it, too. And so follow along with us. The first thing I want you to write down is this. It stuns me that people who know God the least use his name the most. People who know God the least use his name the most. When it comes to vulgarity, I've been around some pretty spectacular swearers in my life. I mean, they were like wordsmiths, man. They knew how to like put the words together to really tear someone apart with vulgarity. And when it comes to swearers, we see that there's three defining categories in this area of swearing. The first one is this, the clueless swearer. We have the clueless swearer, write that down. A person that doesn't know what he or she is saying. We see in Luke chapter 11, we see Jesus gives us what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. And many people, they take that prayer and they've made that a repetitious prayer that they do almost every single day of their life. They repeat that prayer. You know what I'm talking about? Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as earth as it is in heaven. And it just keeps going and going and going. And I can't remember the rest, so I'm not going to try to. But there's people that repeat that 
over and over and over. Can I tell you, there's nowhere in scripture it tells us that we have to repeat that exact prayer. In fact, we see right here, Jesus is trying to show us, he's giving us a model of prayer. Paul himself told us not to pray in vain repetition like the heathens do, people who are not even Christians. We're not supposed to repeat this, but Jesus is giving us a model. He's not saying this is what you should pray. He's saying this is how you should pray. And so we see at the beginning that it says this, Jesus says this, starting with, Father, hallowed be your name. What does hallowed mean? You know, as a kid, I used to think it was like echo. Like, Father, echoed be your name. That's what I always thought as a kid. Like, that was the mindset that popped in my head because I lived in a holler and we echoed. But, but as I got older and I learned, it means honored. Father, honored be your name. The early Jewish men and women, they wouldn't even pronounce the name of God because it was so sacred. They honored the name of God. We see in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, one of the first commandments of the Ten Commandments says this. Don't use the, God's name in vain. Don't take God's name in vain. What does vain mean? You know, one great definition I saw was this. To empty something of its contents. And yet we have people all the time. They empty the name of God of all of its contents. They use his name in vain. It's a name that should be Honored. So today, I wanted to give you something, and it's going to be a little awkward in here, but I want to, I want to give you some, some ideas of how people swear cluelessly. All right? I, I thought I could just say it and you would figure it out, but I, I, I got to give you some ideas. So I'm going to give you some examples, a few quotes that I've heard, and I'm going to share them with you this morning so you can understand how clueless people are, clueless swearers, how clueless they are. Here's a few that I've heard. Are you ready for this? Here's the first one. What? In the sexual intercourse are you doing? I'll let that sink in for a second, all right. What in the sexual intercourse are you doing? It's clueless. It makes no sense. Why would you say something like that? Now, let it sink in. Some of you are like, I don't understand. Let it sink in. You guys really thought I was going to say bad words this morning, didn't you? We're in church, guys. Come on. It doesn't make any sense. Some of you are like, I've never heard this in church before. This is a holy place. We can't say stuff like that. People are clueless. It doesn't make any sense. Here's another one. Dude, that's some crazy feces over there. I tell you what, come on, guys. It's all right. You don't have to be like, oh, my goodness. That's some crazy feces over there. It, it's clueless. Here's another one. Man, I am so urinated off right now. I just cannot believe they did that to me. I am so urinated off right now. I am losing it. It's clueless. It doesn't make any sense. People do this all the time. They say things all the time, and they're completely clueless about what they're saying. Here's another one. God, send that person to eternal hell for, kill, for cutting me off. Send them to eternal hell for cutting me off. I can't believe they would do that. First of all, I want you to understand something. God doesn't send anyone to hell. We choose to go to hell when we don't accept and we reject Jesus Christ. But yet people say that all the time because they don't know what they're talking about. Well, that girl over there, she's the offspring of a female dog. Just saying. It's clueless. Proverbs 18, verse 20 says this. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. 
He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Our words show the course of our lives. And Solomon's saying right here, encouraging words, helpful words, challenging words. Guess what? They're like health food. They're like fruit. They're good for you. But swear words, filthy words, sexually charged music, words that bombard our minds are not healthy for us. I want you to understand something. God's not saying, hey, don't do that, don't do this. No, God knows what's best for us. He knows what's the best way to be healthy, and he understands what's good for you and what isn't. And you can tell so much about a person through the words that they use. It's more than that. There's life and death in the power of your words. Every day, you speak either life or death into your spouse, into your kids, into your coworkers. For some of you, this is going to hit hard because all you do is speak death into people around you. Your words have the power of life and death. What does it say in verse 21? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. God's saying right here, it's like fuel. You've got to have the right kind of fuel. You've got to put it in the right place. You have to have it in the right car. And when you do that, you can put into other people and into your own self the fuel of life or the fuel of death. Some of you today, that's what you've been doing. You've been pouring into other people's lives, but you've been doing it cluelessly. We have the clueless swear. Then secondly, write this down. We have the erratic swear. The erratic swear. This one is very sudden. I mean, you could be listening to the river, praising God in your car, then all of a sudden someone cuts you off in the parking lot out here as we're leaving church, and you flip them the bird. Like, dude, you just lose it. You give them the finger. You're like, man, you just go off on them. It's like someone hits a button and you just lose it. Let me ask you this. Do you know someone like that? I know some people like that. We all know someone like that that just goes off, that just flips a switch. And they use vulgarity in an erratic manner. It's shocking. It's sudden. And, and, and you know, you're really like, wow, where did that come from? And it's like venom. What does James, James chapter 3 verse 8 says this, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is, a it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Some of you are like, my tongue? What? I just like to taste things and to speak. What are you talking, deadly poison? That's what James says right here. It's the point where some of you today, maybe you're new to church and you read this first and you're like, then why are we even talking about it? If we can't control it, if we can't tame it, then why do we even try? What James is trying to say right here is this. You can't tame it on your own. You can't tame your tongue on your own. You can try and tame your own tongue, but you've tried that before. It doesn't work. James is saying right here, guess what? It's only by the power of God that we can tame it. He continues in verse nine. With it, we bless our Lord and our Father. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but we always take God's name in vain or people always use the name of Jesus as like a curse word. But have you, I, I don't know about you, but I've never met a person that was like, Buddha, damn. Is, you know, have you ever met anybody like that? They never curse Buddha's name. Oh, Muhammad. You know, they, they never do that. Why? Because they know we serve the real God. 
And it's so much more meaningful to trample the name of God, the true God, than it is all these made-up gods. If you're one of these erratic swearers, notice what the rest of verse 9 says. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come cursing and bless, er, blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. And then I love what this next part says right here. Because it refers to our mouth as like a spring of water. And James says you can't do good water coming out of your mouth one day and the next day be spewing contaminated water. And then the next day good water. And then the next day contaminated water. You can't do it. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work like that. It's either contaminated water all the time or it's good water all the time. But Christians, Monday through Thursday, they spew contaminated water into other people's lives. And then on the weekend, they act like they can just flip a switch, and all of a sudden, it's all good water. I cleaned up my mouth for the weekend. Let's go to church. doesn't work that way. Because out of the mouth, the heart speaks. This is a clear indicator of where you are spiritually, what comes out of your mouth. It's a heart issue. So what do we do about it? What do we do about this? Paul, he gives us a little direction in this. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world. That's what we've been talking about this whole time. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't become conformed to this world. Don't just give in. When it comes to vulgarity, some of you, you just give in to it. You talk like a sailor at work, but then you go home and try to talk differently. You try to be a different person. Doesn't work that way. You're conforming to this world. What does it say? It says, he doesn't just say don't cuss anymore. That's not, what, that's not what Paul says right here. He says something else. He gives us some direction. He says this. Keep reading. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We have to have our mind renewed. He says renew your mind. You know what he's saying? He says what are you thinking on? What are you dwelling on in your life? Because those things, what, those, what you dwell on, what you think about, what, it determines how you feel. And how you feel determines how you act. I'll put it real simply this way. Garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. What's going on in your life? How, what do you dwell on? And let come into your life and affect you. Because you think about it. That's what's going to come out of your mouth. The things that are bombarding your life and coming into here, guess what? It's going to come out of here. And you act like you can just do all these things and you can watch all these shows and you, should, you can watch these movies and listen to this music and it's not going to affect you. Garbage in, garbage out. It's a hard issue. It's deeper than just don't cuss anymore, don't say cuss words. It's a heart issue. What's in your heart? Some people, they're clueless swears. Some are erratic swears. And the last one is even scarier. We have the calloused swear. The calloused swear. They're hardened to it. I meet people that thumb their nose at God and say, God, I'm going to say whatever I want to say. You're not going to control me. You're not going to tell me what to do. I've been in conversations with people where I've let them know I'm a pastor, and they begin to cuss more than they normally would have. I mean, they, like, they turn it up a dial because they hear that I'm a pastor. 
I went to an event a while back uh, with a man from our church. He was being recognized by his, his work. And so I went to this event and was able to kind of hang out with him a little bit and talk to some of his coworkers who were his buddies, his friends. And so we were having a conversation with all these guys. They're telling stories about what happens at work. And sometimes they, they prank each other and stuff like that for fun. And so the man that I came to visit who was from our church, he went off and had to go do something real quick. And so I'm having this conversation with his coworkers. And they begin to use vulgarity. I mean, they begin to cuss and say God's name in vain. They're doing all this stuff. And when they do that, I don't go, oh, hold on, guys. Let's not talk. I don't do that. Because why? Because most of them are not Christians. So many times we try to make people act like Christians when they're not Christians. So I don't try to force people to do that. But we were in that conversation and they were talking up a storm. They were cussing. I was just like, yeah, sure, yeah. And just having a conversation with them. And all of a sudden that man from my church came running back and he was like, whoa, dude, don't talk like that. You know he's a pastor, right? And those guys were like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I, I would have never said those words if, if I would have known you were a pastor. And I was just, thought, I was like, hey, it's not a big deal. You weren't using my name in vain. That's <laughs> all right. It's not a big deal. You know, that told me one of two things. Number one, that man from my church, sadly, that's probably how he talks when a pastor's not around. And number two, it showed me that people who don't know Christ, they're able to control their tongue. They're able to not say words when someone's around. They have control over their tongue, but people who do know Christ don't. Why is that? Why is that? That people who know who Jesus is and what he's done in our life and we can't control our tongue. Many Christians, you're in the room today and you're using this excuse. Well, this is how I was raised. This is how I was taught. This is part of me. This is how I talk. It's not true. It's not. You can't tame your tongue by yourself. But if you have the power of Christ living in you, you can overcome anything. You don't have to conform to this world. You can transform your mind by the power of God. If a non-Christian can control it, you can too. And our words is the power of life and death. There's so much potential in our tongue. I don't usually do this, but this morning I want to I give you homework, all right? We're not in school anymore, so you guys can go, ah, oh. Ah, do this for me. On your service guide, I want you to write this down. Some of you are like, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to write this down. I want you to write this down. Do some homework with me today or this week. This week, for the next seven days, every time you hear a vulgar word, count it. Number it. Every time you hear a vulgar word, whether it's on television, whether it's at your workplace, whether it's on television, a movie, whatever, your family, your own mouth, number it for the next seven days. I think you'll be surprised about what is coming into your life. You'd be shocked about what kind, how the world is feeding into your life. The reason why I want you to do this is the same reason, like I said before, garbage in, garbage out. And it'll become clear to you. No wonder I talk this way. It's a part of my life. I am allowing this to come into my life and be a part of my life. I heard this message a while back where this guy, he began to tell this story about a mission trip that he went to. He went to Calcutta, India. 
and he had an opportunity to do a mission trip at what's called the House of the Dying. If you're not familiar with that place, it's the place where Mother Teresa was at. That's where she served for many, many years, the House of the Dying in Calcutta, India. And he got this opportunity to go minister there. And if you're not familiar with that place, it's, it, it does exactly what it's called, the house of the dying. What would happen because of, of the leprosy uh, uh, epidemic in that country, overpopulation and poverty, a lot of people who were dying, going through an illness or had leprosy, leprosy which would eat away at your flesh and eventually finger, I mean, fingertips would fall off. You would lose parts of your body, feet, legs, ears, nose. You would just lose all this stuff because this disease would eat away at you. These people had no money. They had no way to just keep surviving until their time of dying. And so what they would do is the house of dying would bring them in. They would shave their head. They would clean them. And they would give them a place to lay down and just die. That's what they did. They just took care of these people until they died. And so this guy got a mission opportunity to go serve there for a summer. And he said while he was there, man, he met some special people. It takes a special person to work in a place like that people who are dying, people who I mean, are just falling apart, pussy, messy, bloody. He said, man, there were some special people there. There were some tough people there. But one thing that none of the people, none of the workers wanted to do is they didn't want to take out the trash. Nobody wanted to take out the trash to the back alley. In the trash, of course, they had leftover food and regular garbage, but at the same time, they also had old needles. There were body parts in the trash. There would be rags that they wrapped the lepers with and they would take those and they were just covered in blood and pus and they were in the garbage as well. Nobody wanted to take it out. And so this guy was like, well, I don't understand. I'll take the trash out, no big deal. And so he said he took the trash out into the back alleyway and he stuck it out there. And as he, before he could even walk back in the building, he said the, the children of the neighborhood ran in there and they would rip the bags open and they would dig through all these things to get the food that they were going to eat because poverty was so great there and he said when I saw this I was just stunned I couldn't believe it I, I, I couldn't believe what my eyes were showing me what was happening in this country and he said when he comes back to America and he tells this story to people they just go, all they can think about is, wow, I'm never going to have to live that way. I'm never going to have to endure that. I'm never going to have to go through that in my life. But he said he was so surprised that after he left Calcutta and he came back to America, he realized something. That's exactly what people do here. We elbow people out of the way and fight for the trash of this world. We do that. We fight for what this world is feeding us and we fill up on all the junk that culture feeds us to the point where we look just like that man on the video who was just feeding off of all these things. And you wonder why you have no time and no room for God in your life. You're already filled up. You don't have any space for him. You've already fought, you've already clawed, you've already elbowed. You've already edged out everyone else for the trash that this world has to offer. And sadly, you've got no more room for God. Can I ask you a question? What does what comes out of your mouth say about your heart? What does what comes out of your mouth say about your heart?
Where's your heart at today? Can I be clear? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're not a Christian. And all of this that we're talking about today, it's going to seem stupid. It's going to seem like a waste of time. Some of you are probably thinking, I can't believe we just sat and listened to him tell us, don't cuss anymore. No, it's deeper than that. But it's going to seem stupid to you if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know him personally, if you don't have a relationship with him. Man, maybe you know about him. You know about Easter. You know about the resurrection. You know about the bunnies, but you don't know him personally. For others of you that are here, you do. He saved you. He saved your life. But you have been drinking the Kool-Aid that the world is feeding you. And you've been using his name and trampling it under your feet and you act like it's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's, it's not an issue. Everybody does it. It's no big deal. I'm just being real. I'm just being authentic. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Remember what I said earlier? Garbage in, garbage out. Where's your heart at today? Where's your heart at today? Would you do this? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Everybody stand with me also. Stand with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here this morning. That's right where your life is. You've been drinking the Kool-Aid. You've been so focused on filling up on the trash of this world and believing everything the world has told you that you missed out on what God has for you. You have filled up on everything else and you've got no more room for God. Now, I can't make you to church on Sunday because I got all this I got to take care of. The world tells me this is what I need to do. I don't have time to read God's word because I've got to go do this. That's what the world tells me to do. You're so filled up on the world, you've got no room for God left. Evaluate your life this week. What are you putting into yourself? Is it having an effect on your heart? Or is Jesus filling you up and changing your life? Thank you for listening to the Discovery City Church podcast. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to help us continue to help others, you can give online at discoverycitychurch.com slash give.